0: Okay, so I'm recording and uh, chatting with Terrell Witlachkin, the author of The Wildlife of Star Wars and concept designer for episode one and also the um, re-releases of the original trilogy. That's right. And um, about the knobby white spiders, also called, I think now actually called the Kriknas that show up in Mandalorian season two, episode two. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? I've seen the Ralph McQuarrie um, concept art. I think that was supposed to go into Empire Strikes Back, maybe. Is that something you'd seen as well and then got to run with?
1: Right, yes. Uh, that was where I first became aware of the, the Nobby White Smotter, other, otherwise known as the Crick Net, the Crick nah (laughs) i i did not you know that name really wasn't there until the um mandalorian movies etc um so that's that's new the the the, the appellation is new it's not a historical name that i know of we would just always call it the knobby white spider because that's what ralph mccory called it the the knobby white spider for lack of a better for lack of a better um name so i guess um, some xeno scientist in the star wars universe must have documented and classified it and uh, named it that or something (laughs) there you go i like that i like
0: picturing them going around uh hopefully not Mm -hmm. accidentally stumbling into one of these things so i know you haven't watched the mandalorian but it was a pretty horrifying for someone like me who's scared of spiders a pretty horrifying
1: Uh, sequence i probably would have liked it because i i like spiders i think spiders are fascinating um especially when you see cl- the close-ups of their faces and they've got these big black button eyes and they're kind of furry it's like oh
0: <laughs> yeah spotlight. we have very very different reactions <laughs> to that, So, but hey fair enough so was the ralph macquarie was that the artwork was just a simple cell or frame or something like that, right? Were you the one to sort of uh, flesh it out and decide it um, at least in the wildlife book not not a true animal
1: right. It was more of a plant animal type type creature um, and, then, and you know in, in you know life, basically you kind of think of that, that that galaxy of where life can take many forms or transformations and Things aren't necessarily what they seem. I'm thinking you know, of, you know, plants that mimic animals, like certain orchids mimic certain animals or look like you know, caterpillars or whatever. Certain flowers have very you look at them; they remind you of animals. I think of Venus flytraps, which are you know, plants have very animalistic behaviors and, and certainly dietary habits. So you know, why not think about, you know, plant that could be somewhat, plant, fungus, whatever it is, could be somewhat mobile and then become anchored and then grow into something quite bizarre. So yeah, that's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, no, it's one of the examples of something truly alien where we can't really wrap our, our brains around. It's not just a different color or a different size or something like that. Right. Um, Although there are examples, but now that you started talking about it, I was thinking of, I think it's anemones in the ocean. I think that they're ambulatory. Yeah. They're
1: young. So. And the sea squirts, sea squirts will, are that way too. And those are very interesting, interesting pre-vertebrates. Tunicates, I think, is their other, another name for those animals. It's like animals that seem to have I think a nut accord when they are very young as you were mentioning and can swim about and then they anchor themselves and lose that and become basically this jug-like shape <laughs> so.
0: so in yeah. your book that's what happens to the the knobby white spiders once they get uh to be mature adults mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um also I and it's so in, in your book they're in Dagobah and that's something that makes sense to me in terms of uh, jungle planet you know um mm-hmm. again here on earth you know that's where a huge amount of our biodiversity is um so is that was that something you decided that they would be on Dagobah or was that that part of the directive
1: um, of our book? Well, I mean that planet as far as it's described as far as we know is at least that part of the planet is this big, huge swamp. And swamps are, most, I'm going to say at least swamps in North America, in the Southeast are very eerie places to be. They can be, and you can get lost and tangled forever in those swamps in in Florida and Louisiana and you know, parts of Alabama, et cetera, Alfie um, Kanofi there it's and so yeah you don't want it you don't want to get lost in a swamp like that and there's all kinds of interesting creatures and animals you know obviously we think of alligator yeah alligators lots of cottonmouth snakes which you don't want to get close to for obvious reasons because they're very poisonous um and you know cougars pumas live there all kinds of animals of course raccoons raccoons live everywhere (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in the Mandalorian, the spiders were on an ice planet. Um, They crash landed and and sort of found their way into a cavern. Um, And I was thinking about how much that would be different. You know, I I don't know a lot about spider biology. It's not something I'm really going to look into just because I don't want to see any more pictures. Um, But it's not something I picture in, you know, cold climates. Uh, and so I'm curious yeah. about what would have to be different about them in order to survive.
1: I would think, I'm trying to think of, I know that spiders are found all over the world and in most places with exclusion of the Antarctic and the Arctic. So I'm thinking of spiders that say live in the boreal forests, like of the territories up in Canada or Alaska or um, parts of, this, of um, Russia. Um, I think they need to have a place where they can stay warm or hibernate during the, the worst snaps of it. And so I would think that these particular spotter-like creatures, um, if they are being transported from Dagobah, if you which I'm assuming is rather warm and moist because Blue um, Skywalker was in his you know, shirt sleeves, basically, right. or sleeveless for quite a bit of that time when he was there. Uh, that they would need to have a place where they wouldn't freeze to death. Right. And because they don't appear to have much insul- bodily insulation. And, or at least a place they can go and be warm enough where they can go into stasis of some kind.
0: Yeah, they are shown in like a sort of hot springs area. So maybe uh, there's okay. just enough, um, enough of that in the ground, enough like sort of lava, lava presence or something.
1: Yeah, some um, geothermal. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me.
0: Uh, and it's also shown I noticed in your book there's like budding it's sort of off the roots is, is how it procreates mm-hmm. it seems like and there is something very similar in the show uh they walk into this cavern there's all these just sort of egg-shaped looking things on the ground
1: mm-hmm. and I immediately
0: thought of the movie Alien you know I was I think yeah. I just even said it, I was like face
1: huggers don't touch yeah don't um, touch the
0: eggs <laughs> but of course uh uh one of the characters does touch the eggs and then opens one of them and then all of them start to open and I was wondering if that's some sort of a signaling you know in the animal world you know once one egg hatches is it is it advantageous for all the eggs then to hatch
1: so they don't uh, they can start competing with each other or something yeah, along those lines. That's that's an interesting um, idea because I mean usually a clutch of animals providing it's the eggs are laid at the same time you know, will um, hatch at the same time. I mean, um, sea turtles, for example, oh, yeah. they, they all hatch the same time before their mad dash to the ocean. Um, crocodile, crocodilian eggs, they seem to all hatch at the same time, and then of course the mother takes care of them. Um, so I would think so. I think so those spiders, themselves real spiders, they hatch all at the same time. Octopus, saw the octopus teacher oh my gosh they would cry. they um they hatch at the same time so maybe there was some in this world maybe i'm going to assume that all those eggs were ready to hatch and so as soon as one hatches oops oh, time for all of us to hatch so yeah
0: yeah i know it really seemed like there was some sort of chemical signal or something like that which i thought uh seemed to make perfect biological sense under yeah. those conditions so yeah <laughs> um yeah well it's. has i mean like i said just because i'm scared of spiders it wasn't a very fun sequence to me i'm used to seeing them you know i knew it was coming in one of the harry potter movies it's it's you know a big part of one of the lord of the rings movies you you know these spider sequences are coming up if you've read the books but mm-hmm. since there is no base uh here for mandalorian i was yeah I
1: was horrified <laughs> ah, the giant spider Well, oh, right when I, yeah when i think of spiders you know there's it's if there's something different about experiencing say a tarantula you know big big furry spider like okay this is this is a big that, that's a, that can be a little intimidating um yeah. as opposed to some of the smaller little spiders that you find in your house and they're just you know working hard to keep your house clean of insects and i think of all the effort it takes for of them to spin a web and i, I and it always impresses me so much and if it gets torn they're there johnny on the spot to fix it and i think that's pretty pretty amazing <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i i like to hear from people who aren't horrified by spiders the way that i am um because yeah i i do realize that i have less bugs in my house if i have spiders or or those sorts of things mm-hmm. um uh, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's interesting if you, uh, when you get around to watching the show at some point there, the yeah. webs, so there's, you know, the crawling, but then there's also some coming down from the ceiling so they right. clearly do have silk and they have webs. Is that something yeah. that you intended for the knobby white spiders
1: too? Not really, because I was thinking of a more of a spider-like creature that wasn't necessarily a spider, but just kind of looked like one and grew up yeah. to be something else, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it couldn't. Do that at some point in his life. Maybe, you know, maybe the initial observations of my mythical zoologist for the wildlife star of Star Wars was she didn't stay long enough to see in the entire part in life cycle of these creatures. So I mean, it's like in the real world, one scientist discovers something about a creature, and a real animal, and then another one, some years um later spends more time with it and hey i didn't we didn't know about this but this also does this and what we thought was true is is maybe necessarily isn't you know the final the final you know verdict on it so it's it's that's i think that's perfectly great so yeah i have
0: field guides with question marks in them you know Mm -hmm. for mostly the since i got to see for work you know the pelagic birds that no one has any idea where they nest yeah that's we still just don't know we know there are these, you know, albatross. We have no idea where they nest. So, right. um, so that could very well be true in the Star Wars universe. I like that.
1: I have a feeling a lot of, of that is true, especially in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> right. They got they got bigger things to worry about, maybe. They, so. they do. And I, I have just not been able to keep up with the latest Star Wars episodes simply because I'm either been on NDA for the project or deadline, and it's like when I haven't just have not had literally times to watch, you know, movies. And because if I, if I put that on while I'm working, well, then all work stops because I'll be watching the movie, and then of course which I'm not being paid yeah. to watch movies. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: that would be a good. That'd be a good job. Um, so <laughs> did Did you have something like that in mind when you were writing the wildlife uh, book? You were talking about your, you know, fictional. Your fictional ecologist, or something Uh like that, and and what kind of funding agency? You know, what what kind of project would it be? Um, I'm curious to know more about that.
1: Yeah, it'd be more like a kind of like a Star Wars version of, say, the National Geographic Society that sends out or or sponsors scientists. It could, you know, you know, there could be also be other grants from different universities and research academia, or in um, from various planets or whatever it is. in in the star wars universe and so this is one researcher's catalog of or survey of known planet fauna and which you know means that this researcher couldn't spend years and years on just one planet studying just one animal she had to basically do a survey and maybe spend as much time as she could, but she didn't have the luxury of spending 20 years just studying manthas or just studying knobby white spiders for that matter.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So, right. Yeah. Couldn't be the
0: Jane Goodall, you know, spend an entire lifetime with one species kind of research. Right. But, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Otherwise you would just have a book about one animal. Um, right. and, uh, so.
0: Oh, I like that very much. I was talking with, um, the, another group of podcasters called Let's Write where they, um sort of a workshop and then you know write little scenes at least of screenplays for various various things and we talked a little bit about a fantastic beasts you know what fantastic beasts is for Harry Potter if you've seen those movies or, or know mm-hmm. about that um for for, for, the, for the Star Wars universe so um
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe it would have to be that that character that you thought up so
1: yeah i would yeah. love
0: to know more about those projects and honestly mm-hmm. she would probably hate the mandalorian i I was picturing during this episode you know the previous episode having the crate dragon um Mm -hmm. and that doesn't end very well for the crate dragon and you know what if what if this person's rotation is just like a couple months behind the mandalorian's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. path of destruction what it looks like to her you know coming across and be like oh this crate dragon lives for thousands of years Uh, yeah and then showing up to this ice planet and finding you know this entire uh group of spiders Big and small, you yeah. know, wiped out, so.
1: Yeah, I think that sends a message um, loud and clear. You know, animals are precious um, on our planet. They are not an unlimited commodity. They, they are deserving of respect and care and love uh, and to just have a cavalier attitude that they're pawns to do. It's just a terrible way it's just that's just evil <laughs> so. yeah
0: no it, as fun as it has been to sort of see the natural history of different animals fleshed out so far in mm-hmm. both episodes of the new season yeah. i am hoping it doesn't continue because it it has been this path of destruction on the part of the, the wildlife part at least so here's right. hoping uh they find some other plot <laughs> devices
1: oh, for, the, for the next episode. Like perhaps that that cray dragon actually has a clutch of eggs left over and somebody revisits that planet or, you know, never know, Maybe somebody finds some eggs and takes it to another planet. And anyway, we can just say that maybe these little cray dragons are awfully hungry and don't mess with them anymore. And that is poetic justice, (laughs) you know, Jurassic Park, but still (laughs) satisfying when the bad guy gets eaten.
0: Right. Yeah. No, there's something to that I think so yeah. at least at least on the part of biology and zoology minded people like you and I, so yeah,
1: yeah great, at least you know um when animals did perish, and I'm thinking of the rancor you know in uh, episode six, six uh, yeah. his creeper wept, yeah, that still gets me every time, yeah, I mean that he wasn't really just a monster he was you know a, a pet a companion and and oh, yeah 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 <laughs> and you know that.
0: probably a slave a slave to java java too in that you know uh, so yeah well yeah know, that still gets me every time
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so <laughs> all right well i appreciate you chatting with me about this i like i said i love seeing your wildlife designs in popping up uh, in unexpected places and, and feeling a little bit in the know, uh, like, oh, I go get my wildlife guide. So I'll keep it handy with me for the rest oh, of the well, season.
1: Well, I'm delighted that they're making use of, of those designs. And that that's, I'm, I'm glad that they are having a life beyond the, what the original appearance were. That is, so, yeah. that is very nice indeed. Yeah.